Welcome to the Beautiful and True Project podcast. This is a place where we talk about beauty and truth, the things that are most important to us, the things that ground us, and the things that uplift us. My guests are not celebrities. They are, in many ways, leading kind of ordinary lives, but they pay extraordinary attention to the world around them, and that makes the difference. My guest this week is Betsy Niffin. Betsy is the project director at Willow Research, the market research firm we both work for. She's been a colleague and a friend for 10 years, and she has a clear-eyed, no-nonsense approach to her life and work that I absolutely prize. She's also the mother of the sweetest two-year-old boy, and, as you'll hear in a few moments, she raises being quote-unquote normal to a form of lived art. Betsy is also an artist and a creator of gorgeous doodles. One year for Christmas, she made calendars of her designs that we could color in. The lines and shapes were so interesting, I couldn't bring myself to do it. I wanted to keep it exactly so. Today, Betsy and I are talking about the beauty that can be found in efficiency and order, how people are always more complex than they seem, and appreciating really great design work in very ordinary places. It's a great conversation, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Hi, Betsy. It is amazing to talk to you in this capacity. Betsy is my colleague at Willow Research, and uh, we talk pretty much every day. We have been colleagues and friends for, oh my goodness, I'm losing track of the time. Like 10 years, almost 10 years. It feels like longer than that and shorter. But the reason I wanted to talk to you is because, and I hope that you, I hope you find this description to be flattering because I mean it to be. You are someone I know who has a great love of beauty and I see it all the time at work and in kind of small things that you do and we'll get into some of that later. But you are also really normal. So normal. Very regular, a very regular person. So you're not offended by that description. No, I've told you this before. I think I actually I actually try very hard to be very regular and normal. I actually probably spend more energy than one can appreciate just trying to be normal. <laughs> I never like to um, like stand out in a crowd. That's not my, just not something I enjoy. So kind of just fit in. I actually had a really funny conversation with a couple of my friends the other day, and we were talking about um, sort of like sheltering in place and lockdown and things like that. And we, and my friends were like, you know, I keep thinking like, what, what would I have done when I was 25? I was definitely much more sort of irresponsible when I was 25. And would I still be going to bars? And, you know, is it just because now that I'm older and more settled that, you know, it's easier for me to sort of stay home. And both my friends were kind of like, no, I don't know. I, I I don't know. I'd like to think I wouldn't go out, but I probably would have. And I answered completely truthfully and honestly, I would have just done what I'm, whatever my friends were doing. Like if all my friends were going out to bars, I'd totally go with them. But if they were all like wearing face masks and being really careful and not leaving their home, like that's what I would do. Like I just am like, 
I just look around. I'm like, I'm just going to do what everyone else does. Just fit in. Okay. See, you say that, and I, I know that that's true, but there's also, I also think of you as a really deeply unique individual. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, okay. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to jump ahead for a minute because I sent you these questions and this is a later one, but this has come up. I don't know anybody else who kind of obsessively collected Starbucks cards. Yeah. So funny thing, I still actually, I think I finally officially stopped collecting. I was still collecting up until like a year ago, Um, but I wasn't doing anything with them. I wasn't displaying them like I had been before. So then I just have like boxes of Starbucks cards now. And so finally I was like, when I was moving, I was like, okay, I I think I'm just going to stop. And you know what? So why I collected them and actually another reason why I stopped collecting was they were beautiful they were they were they were all little their own little design they had all these different colors and designs and during the holidays they had their holiday collection and I just really thought they were little pieces of individual artwork on each card um another reason actually why I stopped collecting them was because they're always you know a nice sturdy plastic gift card and they started to be uh, cheap, <laughs> or maybe maybe they were trying to um, be mindful of uh, our earth, but they started to make most of them out of more of like a heavy cardboard, mm-hmm. and it really just lost a lot of appeal for me. They also then started coming out with a lot more because I think they were cheaper to make, um, and so I found the designs to not be as... There was a period, there was a period where I was like, I seriously was like, I want to work at Starbucks and design their gift cards. Like, I was like, they have some talented designers here who are really, like, focused on making really pretty little gift cards. Right. And it was part of their whole branding effort to have these. Mm -hmm. Anybody, anybody, anybody who's listening who has been to Starbucks in the last, because you started collecting these. Probably. In college. Yeah, probably in like, well, before I started working with Shapiro. So, um, yeah, I'd say like 2005, 2006, maybe. I don't know. What I okay. So you're probably when I, when, I, when I became an official gold member at Starbucks is maybe when I started. <laughs> they don't even have that anymore, do they? Oh, no, they still don't. Oh, do they? Yeah. You can tell. Well, me. I mean, at least I'm still, I still have first <laughs> We used to go to Starbucks and not even buy anything. And we'd just like be doop, 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 doop. And Betsy would just grab a couple cards, put them in their pocket. It was almost like shoplifting. <laughs> I know. I, people have said that where they're like, did you go bad? You're like stealing it. I'm like, I'm just not putting money on it. I'm not always stealing it. And be like, Starbucks gets so much money from me. I know. I don't feel <laughs> bad at all. Um. No, it's funny. People are going to be like, wow, you're really obsessed with Starbucks. I I love coffee. I always have. I started drinking coffee when I was literally like two or three years old. Oh, my gosh. And, um, and it's just, oh, I just love coffee. So anyway, yeah, that's how that started. And then it became a thing. You know, it was like, you, could, you know, like any collection probably. Start, so it's just, oh, here's a few cards. The next thing I know, it's like. Every time I go into Starbucks, I have to be like, oh my God, are there new cards here? I have 
cards. No, and then you'd have, this, with you. you'd have you have the specialty cards, like, you know, if you, you're traveling, so you can have a Hawaii card or, like, a Seattle card, or you can go to the original Starbucks and get a special card. So then it, like, started to become a thing. I'm thinking of when I was a kid and you people collected Hard Rock Cafe t-shirts. Like, that was a thing? Oh, was that a thing for you? Yeah. In Cocoa, <laughs> Indiana when people didn't travel very, a whole lot. <laughs> if you went someplace that. that had a Hard Rock Cafe and you came back with a Hard Rock Cafe t-shirt from like Orlando, you were so cool. Oh my God, I love that, that's so funny. I had um, one because my parents were very wise and not particularly wealthy and they were like, no, we're not doing this for a t-shirt. <laughs> um, you're saying that the designs of the Starbucks cards, I'm going back to this for a minute, have, you think have gone downhill. Like they used to put a lot of effort and energy into them. Yeah. I, I think it became, like I said, I think there was a, like it, it, I think because it was less expensive to produce, they started producing more, but I think in that effort, like anything else, I think sometimes you then sort of lose the specialness of it maybe it was more of a combination of all of the things like I don't know that just the design went down I think it was kind of like the design went down the quality felt like quality. it went down and then you know then it starts to just become like not as special because then you know, then you can produce more right so then you're kind of like well if like every day I can get a new one you know it's not as fun or special so I think it was all those factors I think a lot of it was quality to be honest with you it just didn't feel as special when it was just like cardboard and I knew that it would be, was kind of more, felt more disposable. So part of what you're saying, it seems to connect with something that I've been thinking a lot about when it comes to the beautiful and true, and in particular beauty, which is that it partially has to do with, it's not always rareness, but rareness is part of it. Like something that is rare is gonna grab our attention. Um, but it has to do a little bit with quality and effort and attention. And sometimes it's the effort that somebody else puts into something. And sometimes it's the effort and the attention that we give to something. Uh, wondering how you would respond to that. Yeah, I think that it's not necessarily something I would have consciously said. But now that you've said it, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think everything I was just saying about the Starbucks card like totally fits into that. It lost a specialness. There's sort of, like the quality went down. So there's sort of like all of those factors. And uh, to your point, I mean, I think that specialness, like the attention that you pay, right? Like my life changed a lot over the last couple of years. And so, you know, I don't go to Starbucks as much as I used to. Or when I do, I mobile order and go in and out. And this is pre-pandemic, you know, just I, I uh, having a kid now, it's sort of like I have less time to sort of <laughs> sit there and go through all the Starbucks cards and then hang them up and, you know, put them sort of what I did before. So you mean there are other things that are demanding your attention now? <laughs> there are other things that are demanding my attention. Um, so yeah, so I think that's sort of what you put into it is definitely. But that is interesting. I mean, I think that makes sense, right? I mean, that's why something that's beautiful is something that's a little special because you know that's what makes it beautiful <laughs> <laughs> a little bit circular but I think I know what you mean um yeah. and and going back to this idea about quality 
that's something that I think makes you makes you yeah. unique. Like this is part of your special Betsiness, which is that you are always you're either you don't care about quality at all, or you <laughs> want it to be really good. Yeah. Well, in general, I think I'm I'm definitely not quantity. I've never been quantity. No. But it is true that I mean sometimes I care about quality more than other things, but um yes. I also think that I'm one of those people that, you know, I would rather do something quickly and efficiently um rather than but even if that meant like it cost me more money or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. um instead of just being like, well, it's cheaper to do this, but it's going to be like that much more laborious or time consuming and that's always I've always like pre having a kit like I've always Mm -hmm. like that efficiency Um, is beautiful to you it is it is (laughs) you studied design and you are a bit of an artist as a matter of fact on your forearms there are two you have tattoos of designs that you created and they are, they're these lovely little line drawings and they're, they're just doodles, but there's something really crisp and efficient about them, despite that they're, they're kind of round and they go round about, but they do it really sharply. Is that something that you were feeling as you designed those or do you even remember? No, I mean, I remember, I remember designing both of them. Um, I don't, I don't. I don't connect um, efficiency with sort of the designs that I draw personally, mm-hmm. um, but I think there may be a like maybe like a, a crispness, crispness or exactness that comes with them. I'm very like particular about the markers that I use. It has mm-hmm. to be there's only this one kind of marker that I like because it gives such a clean line. But I mean, I think. I think most artists or people drawing with markers or pens I would think would want a crisp exact line. So I don't think I'm unique in that way, but um but I am particular about those types of things. Um but drawing for me is actually sort of in a weird way oh gosh, I don't know. I actually it's a weird combination because I was gonna say it's actually kind of like a freedom from precision and exactness but I am also very particular about my design but it's much more intuitive it feels more organic to me so it's like I know when a line is in the right place and I know when it's not in the right place and I kind of just draw from feel Mm -hmm. Um, which is why I've always considered myself more of like 2D designer is like how I like to think of it I've always been amazed by people who can like paint a person or paint flowers or paint I it's never been a skill that I've had um because in my head and actually until I went to art school I literally thought these people sat down and from their brain just Mm -hmm. like painted this landscape and then I went to art school and my roommate was an illustrator and she was doing all these paintings and drawings that she would be looking at a picture of a flower and and drawing it and in my head I was like oh well that I could do it's kind of disappointing <laughs> huh it was because all of my although really if I had to do it I probably wouldn't be able to do it 
but it was interesting to me that in my brain, I assumed everyone did art the way that I did art, which was, I don't, I'm not looking, I'm just doing it from my head and from what just like literally actually feels good to my hands to draw. It's much more of this sort of feeling organic process um, as opposed to like, this is what I want the end product to look like and I have to do X, Y, Z to get there. Mm-hmm. So, so it's sort of, so in a weird way, it is sort of this freedom from sort of the effects of the rest of my life. But at the same time, I am particular about it. So if I do a rock line in what feels like a wrong place, like then it's, I kind of feel like I either need to make it work somehow or like it's not going to work. There's a lot of feeling in it. And the feeling is an exactness. I don't know if that makes any sense, but um, it's I think it does. Yeah. I, so, I, I mean, that's what I always said about my tattoos because, you know, all these people are like, oh, what do they mean? And da da da. And so, you know, a lot of these tattoos have deep meaning, which all respect. Like, I have nothing against people who have deep meaning tattoos, but. Right. I um, asked you, I remember. I remember I said, oh, those are really cool. Do they have. What do they have any meaning? You're like, nope. <laughs> I just find them aesthetically pleasing. That's like what that's usually my comeback when people say, Does that have meaning? I think no. But I find them aesthetically pleasing and I've always been pretty consistent in my life of what I find aesthetically pleasing. So my thought process was if I think that's really pretty now, I'm probably gonna like it for the rest of my life. And things with deep meaning to me that I'm gonna put on my body feels scarier because what if you know like you put the name of your boyfriend <laughs> and then he's not your boyfriend you know it's like things like that, that where I'm like never. exactly <laughs> so those things make me um way more nervous to have on my body because I feel way more committed to it or something I just find pretty I'm like oh I'm, I'm gonna always love that tattoo on my body that is so interesting because one of the Kind of one of the other things I'm I'm thinking about and learning is that because I'm sure that when people get tattoos of of like their boyfriend, so I'm gonna my boyfriend Stan. <laughs> I was just talking to my friend Stan, so his name came up in my head. Um, you know, here's my boyfriend Stan. I'm gonna get his name tattooed. I'm sure that at the time I I think that my feeling for Stan is both beautiful and true. But yeah, these things can change. Beautiful and true is not necessarily permanent. But perhaps aesthetic sense, I wonder if aesthetic sense changes over time much. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on the person. I I mean, I I think it absolutely can change like anything else. But I just, I knew, I know for me, that was the thing. Like, I know for me that some of my aesthetic has changed over time but there's certain things that I just I always know I'm just going to gravitate towards I'm going to like aesthetically and so I was very conscious of that like that is something that I'm always just really going to like there are just certain things just, you know certain colors that I'm always going to really think are like the prettiest things. Mm-hmm. you know like that's just I don't for me that's never I don't think it's ever going to change would you be willing to send me a picture of one of your tattoos so that I can put it up yeah. so that if somebody's listening goes, oh, I want to see what this is. Would you yeah. mind? Great. Yeah, no, that's fine. So you went, to de- you went to art school and design school. And yet you are not, I mean, so, so many of us go to school for some kind of art and end up 
not doing that. But I'm always interested in, in that choice because um, you really decided, you're like, you know what? I don't actually want to do this. Is that right? Um, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think like anything else that you really love when it starts to become, I mean, people are always like, right. If, if, if your job is something that you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Oh, that is but, like some right, shit. Right. I have the perspective <laughs> of like, this is something I really love. And now that it, it could have the potential, I can have the potential to dislike it because it becomes more busy. Um, I also struggled because I think when you're doing design um, as a career, right, you have clients that you're working for. So it becomes much less about your, what you want and what your, you know, it's about what your client wants. And I don't, you know, I think you can find clients who would have, you know, similar aesthetics to you that you do, but at one time you probably don't, you need business. And so I think I struggled with that always sort of like, I just designs kind of like something that I just like to do for myself, you know, with myself, with things that I like. Um, and I never felt like it would work well for me as a career. Um, the reason I even, yeah, yeah, I think there's that. And then I just was like, I don't know that it, I'd really like make it. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, Unless you made like art director, in which case, you wouldn't right. necessarily be doing it yourself anyway. Yeah. Although I always actually was like, I think my dream job actually would be like an art director, but I just didn't know that I wanted to do all the other levels. Because I think I'm better, I, I'm good at, ironically, even though we just talked about this earlier, directing other people in a way. I'm not good at directing other people, but I'm good at it. I always thought I'd be a good like, art director at a magazine or something. Like I think visually I can have together, but I'm better at telling other people execute it than executing it this is kind of a boring story but I I kind of was just like chose design as something to get a degree in and I feel like partway through getting my degree I was already not invested mm -hmm. um but was just sort of like honestly my parents were like please just graduate <laughs> please don't keep just just graduate just finish you can at least have a degree and then figure it out so you had you had transferred once before I think right like three times. Oh, <laughs> which is why they're like, just please just finish. Please. He's like, okay, fine. And then you went to grad school. <laughs> and then I went to grad school. Well, because then I moved to New York and was I was actually working in design for a little bit, and then you know I was young. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life, and it felt like at the time it made sense. Oh, that's why Again. I went to grad school. And I didn't know again, what I wanted to do and or how to do it. Yeah. So then again, partway through, it's like, and eh, my parents are like, let's just finish. Um, and so <laughs> when I had my, yeah, okay. And then I moved back to Chicago and I don't have uh, a job. <laughs> and at that point, I was really, I got a job. And 10 years later, I'm basically at the same job. <laughs> and on, talking to me on a podcast about art. What a yes. cycle. What a circle. Seriously. Um, anyway. Yeah, so I don't know. I But I, I do think a lot of it was just like, I don't know that I ever thought it was going to really be a good career or a 
not that I'm obsessed with making a ton of money, but I wanted to make enough money to be able to live. Right. Um, and I'm not, I'm not a hustler. <laughs> it's not my MO. So, um, you know, I, I never thought I would sort of do well in that environment. So. Part of being an artist in this country is learning the art of the hustle. Yeah. And it's, that's no, not totally. the thing. It's part of why I'm not a professional actor. Uh, I, yeah. I'm getting better at the hustle, but ages and ages ago, my little introvert self was like, no, I don't, I have to hustle all the time. That's part of this job. Ooh, no, thank you. Yeah. Um, so, we, <laughs> so we're talking about art and then a little earlier we're talking about efficiency and there's, a, there's something that lines up with you for this that I know that I've seen. Um, I don't know why I want to talk about this with you, but I really do. You know those those series of pictures that some people that people will put up on the internet, and it will be of things lined up just precisely, like all the pencils are sharpened to exactly the the same the same sharpness, and all the strawberries are perfectly aligned, and you know what I'm talking about? Uh huh. I do. I love do you love those so much? There. Yes. <laughs> You find them totally soothing, don't you? Yeah. Yes, definitely. That's so interesting. Um, oh, it's interesting to me because I don't. I find them. I find them highly anxiety producing. <laughs> I'm like, but, but one so of I, one of the many ways that we're very different. <laughs> oh, I know. This is why I wanted to talk to you. Um, so yeah, you you find it soothing, and I think I'm I'm thinking something's gonna happen it can't, it can't possibly exist like that forever what if I need to use a pencil <laughs> where I'm like when they have the one that's like out of place I'm like oh something doesn't feel right something's not right with this picture oh you must love my desk at work <laughs> <laughs> so Betsy and I sit facing each other and her desk every night well when we were in the office her desk every night would be like tidy and all the 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 all the papers would line up just so, or if there was one out, it would be angled just so. It was really, it was a beautiful work of art, your desk, and mine is just a hot mess. Uh, no comment. No, I've learned to, I have, I have met enough other people in this world who are not like me and have learned to be able to look past it for the most part usually <laughs> if it doesn't encroach on your space if it, exactly if I don't have to set if I don't have to really like do anything in that space then I can let it go if it, it encroaches into my space it becomes challenging must be fun having a, a two-year-old oh my gosh <laughs> I was actually just talking to someone about the other day I'm like I've really had to try and let go some of my tendencies it's very very and I think I'm just creating a little mini me in the process <laughs> because he's become very like, I, I just see these little things where I'm like, oh no, I don't, I don't want him to be like that. But I know that like, it's, if he has the crumbs and he's spilling something like, you know, I'm, I'm always kind of pointing it out and I don't want to do it, but it's just, it's so hard for me not to. And then so I like, think I'm creating oh, a little, cool. yeah, like the other night we were going to bed and we normally clean up toys at night and I was tired. And so I kind of just like, I took my foot and kind of just like pushed them all off to the side. <laughs> and he was like, no, mama, 
we have to put the toys away. We have to park all the trucks. And then he lines them all up against the wall like we normally do. And he's like, put his backpack over there. And it's, you know, and I was like, oh, thank you, honey. It was actually really adorable and sweet. Because he's like, he knows this is what we do. And I was just like too lazy to do it that night. But he was like, no, we have to do it. Hey. Oh, gosh. Uh, Do you know how many parents would kill no, I know. I know. There's like, no, no, mama, we have to pick up. No, I know. I mean, that's like part of me is like, it's great. But like, I, of course, then see the negative of like, oh, gosh, she's going to become this like little meat freak. But at the same time, we no. live together and he lives with me. So, I mean, it was bound to happen. You're not you're not a meat freak like that, though. You just yeah. like things tight and organized. And frankly, frankly, I think that's genetic because I know your mom loves a good spreadsheet. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, why do, why do we think I'm this way? Because I, I was influenced by both, both my parents. I mean, my dad's not into spreadsheets, but my dad is always like, he never, there's never addition to sink. He, everything's always cleaned up and tidy. Like never, things aren't like sitting around. Like it's, oh, he's very organized in that respect. Um, he doesn't like, you know, messes around like that. So both my parents are very much like that. So but, you know, somehow I missed my brother. <laughs> oh, you know, my mom, my mom is more like you. And my dad was not. He was, he was a clutter bug and I'm a clutter bug. So I don't know. I, is it genetic? Probably, partially. I don't know. I, I don't even know how to parse that out. So I want to be a little cognizant of both of our times because uh, this is our lunch hour, actually. <laughs> So I have, I just have a couple more questions that I want to ask you. I would like to know about a moment of beauty that sometime in your life that just absolutely stopped you in your tracks. You know, and you pressed me for this question and I was reading back at the questions and I was like, I should be prepared for this question. I was like, oh, I don't want to overthink it. Something will just come to me. I was like, I know she's going to ask me and I'm going to be put on the spot. I'm going to be like... Oh, damn, I can't think about anything. That's not true. I I don't... What if some other people said? (laughs) Inspiration. Well, I don't always ask this. Um, Well, a lot of times it has to do with nature. Um, My my guest a couple episodes ago, Samar Hassan, talked about being... Finding himself suddenly in a field of just huge sunflowers. And it had been a cloudy day and the, the sun suddenly came up and it was beautiful. And he sat and basked in it and actually said a little prayer. And then as he was standing there, the sunflowers feeling the sun kind of perked their heads up and turned ever so slightly to face it. He was like, oh, I had a weird, I don't know why that this, this one memory keeps coming back to me. It's kind of strange, but um, I was at my friend's wedding. And the weather was really, really, it was really overcast and gray. I think it had been raining the day before. It may have even been raining that morning. And it was interesting because I remember being like, oh, gosh, it would be like if I were her, I'd be upset that it's like raining on my wedding day. But I remember because our I was a bridesmaid and our dresses were really rich blue. And she had given us all these really sort of I don't want to say lime green because that sounds ugly, but these bright green scarves that were, it was a very nice shade of green. And, um, 
And I remember visually that against sort of the grayness of the day that these colors just popped. And I remember mm-hmm. thinking to myself, it may be a little, I would probably be sad that it was raining on my wedding day. But when I was like, but she's going to have the most beautiful photos from this mm-hmm. day because the colors just are so vibrant against the gray day. And I, I like, I still remember that. I still be like, God, she probably has like the most beautiful wedding photographs ever because of that. And so that was something that I always just thought was really pretty. So it's sort of that that contrast of the color. Well, that's actually uh, one of a, a couple of things that I have learned that are beautiful and true for me, which is a pop of color against a basically drab background. So as you're tell as you're describing this, I'm like, oh yes, that feels so good. Just even in my imagination. Oh yeah. So that's something. Mm-hmm. Okay. So next question, (laughs) is there a moment in a movie or a book or a play or a song that just always makes you have a reaction? You either cry or you laugh or. Well, so it's funny. I I think it's kind of interesting because I, I don't know if you would be surprised by this or people in general, but it actually does not take much for me to cry. Like I am a huge crier. If you think about it, like you've definitely seen me cry many times. So clearly. And it's funny because I think I get that from that. My dad, like literally we'll be watching TV and like a commercial will come on, you know, not even a particularly sad commercial, like some commercials, you know, like the St. Jude, those always make me cry. Or the Um, Nike ones. Oh, Nike has the most, the most brilliant marketers. They're just amazing. But but they were just like little, I don't, I don't know. And I remember, I don't remember it as much anymore. I I feel like in general, we all watch a lot lot less commercials these days, right? Netflix and all. But um, I would remember looking over and like my eyes would be watering and I'd look over and my dad would be like wiping his eyes to like, like literally like, I don't know, a paper towel commercial. I mean, like something so benign in a way. But I think a lot of things, especially, I mean, I've noticed it more since I've had a kid, obviously, but anything with like kids usually gets me like like any kids that are sad or sick or that obviously like I, that gets me every time. But as far as like I am, I actually think a very emotional person. So I, I feel like I've always reacted very much to things like music in particular, right? So you listen to a song and you're like, there's some songs like I literally can't listen to because they take me to a bad place, right? Like bad memories. Um, where I just instantly have that feeling where I'm, I can't even listen to it. But yeah, I mean, I have to, I don't, I can't think of like a particular section of a particular song that always makes me cry. But I think there's definitely, it doesn't take a lot for me to feel very emotional about things like music or a commercial. <laughs> it's funny, as you're saying this, I remember you saying that, but I remember you've told me this before, but I, yeah. I it's not, I don't know that it's something that people see much in like day to day. Certainly not at work. If anybody's yeah. gonna cry at work, it's gonna be me. <laughs> Usually out in the hallway or in the bathroom. Um, yeah, I th- like I said, I think people may. I think um, I think I come off potentially more unemotional than I am. Right, most people are like this, right? Though, like you, like I'm, I'm a walking conundrum, the right word. 
you know, it's like I, I like I have an idea of myself and I have a way that I express myself and I have a way that I talk about myself. But of course, there are going to be things where people are like, like, I'll always say, like, I'm I'm not the most social person. And I think I have some social anxiety. But people, whenever I tell them that, they're like, really, you seem like a very social person who has no problem in a social environment. And I'm like, right. usually once I get into it, like I, I am OK. It's sort of the lead up to it. Um, which A, I think is probably somewhat common, but B, you know, so it's weird. It's like, I'll say like, oh, I'm really like a socially anxious person, but like no one ever, no one else sees that in me. But I'm like, it's something I feel. Like it's definitely something I feel. So I feel like it, there's always this weird sort of things that other people see, how other people sort of define you, and then how you sort of see yourself and how you define yourself. And I feel like there's always, you know, th- those don't always align. I think they often don't. I won't ever I I almost never ask people what they think of me or how they how they see me because I am deeply afraid that it will not align and then I'll be like oh my god it doesn't uh," I'll get really caught and stuck and maybe that's me being cowardly but well it's not like I ask people but you know it just comes up right when you're saying like oh, I'm a really emotional person. Someone's like, really? Or like, oh, I'm really socially anxious. Really? Like, it just comes out, you know, like, not, I, I, don't, I don't really want to know, but people just tell you things. So last question, and then we have to get back to work. You sent me a picture, like everybody does. It is this lovely striped hammock. Well, and this is this is a really kind of a great composition. Um, I hope that the, you, the listener, will go look at it or it's pulled up somehow on your phone or the other app. But it's, uh, you see the corner of a hammock and it's it's got like pastel stripes. And then the, the ropes of the hammock go up in these really precise, it almost looks like a bridge. Oh my it's God, that's so funny that you see that. Yeah. You know why? Because I was trying to find this picture and I took it at my dad's house in Indiana in LaPorte. So you can see the farmland in the background. There's a field and a blue sky. I typed in LaPorte, right? Like in my Google photos to search for it and it didn't pop up. And I was like, oh man, how am I going to find this picture? Because I knew it's what I wanted to use. And Google photos is super smart. If you guys don't I highly recommend it, but they, you know, they have categories like things to search, and they had a bridges category, and it was the cover photo for the bridges category. Okay, yes, because it looks a little bit like a, like I a didn't suspension see, bridge. Uh, yeah, I didn't see that, but that's really funny that you said because Google Photos thought it was a bridge too. You're not alone. Well, what I what I'm picking up on is that there's these lovely sharp again these sharp crisp angles, very precise. And then in the background is this farmland and blue sky with these little white, fluffy white clouds. And then this one beam of light coming straight down, kind of bisecting the image. So that's a little description so that listeners can get a sense of what it is. But tell me why you sent it. What does this mean Um, to you? So, like I said, that is taken at, um, my dad has a house in Indiana in the port sort of a farmhouse on farmland. Uh, our house specifically is on a working farm, but we live right out our back. Right out the back door is working farms. Um, and it's always been a place for me that feels very 
much like getaway. I'm always very relaxed there. It's always so nice to have it as a place to go. And I love photos from up there. And I think it's just beautiful out in the country. Um, and I don't know. The, the true part, I mean, I think it's just, to your point, I think aesthetically, I like the image also. Um, the composition of it. And yeah, I just, I just, it's the picture I've always just really loved. So it's the aesthetics, it's the sense of home, it's the, every, everything about this picture seems designed from what I know about you to be relaxing and soothing and comforting to you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing it with me. Yeah. Glad you enjoyed as much as I did. <laughs> I do. I think, I think if, if I deepened the colors just a little bit, I would want it on my wall. Not that I'm, I'm not critiquing your photo at all. I was just, I was, what I was trying to do is give a compliment, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that went well. Sorry. Uh, Thanks for being on my show, Betsy. You didn't mean to critique your art. <laughs> I was trying to give you a compliment. <laughs> but it came out as a critique. That's so uh, difficult. I love it. Oh, that's oh, so okay. Good. There we go. It's so typical. <laughs> well, don't I? You say I do that all the time, too. That is true. Oh, that's that is true. That's one of the ways that we communicate with each other, I think. <laughs> uh, oh, thank you for doing this, Betsy. Yeah, thanks for having me. Ten years of seeing you pretty much daily, and I don't get tired of talking to you. That's special. I want to thank Betsy for sharing her lunch hour with me and for sneaking some time away while her son was napping. Being a single mom of a toddler during COVID is no small feat, and I'm very grateful for her being willing to use her precious alone time to speak with me. As always, thank you for listening. And if you like what you hear, find us on iTunes and subscribe. Search for The Beautiful and True Project. And if you really like what you hear... Tell a friend about us. I hope that listening inspires you to focus on the beautiful and true in your own life. We'll talk again next Sunday. Have a great week.